Hi, I'm Javier from the Pretend Podcast, and you're listening to Apple for the Teacher Podcast, a podcast about true crime in schools. So join Anna Thomas, a teacher and your host, as she presents the bad apples from within the school system. You will hear stories that are tragic, shocking, unbelievable, and outright bizarre. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode. My name is Anna Thomas. And this is episode number 72, and the story today comes from my own home country of Australia. But before we get into that, let's do some Facebook shout-outs. Hello to Laura McNeil, Sonat Katran, Monica Jacobs, Mags Campbell, Lisa Scanlon, Trish Morrison, and Lisa Howard. So hello to all of you, and also hello to anyone who might be listening from the African country of Zambia. That is where we are going to go today as our country of focus. So let's find out about Zambia. Zambia is home to one of the seven wonders of the world, the Victoria Falls. The first European to see these falls was the British explorer David Livingstone in 1855, and he named them after the British monarch at the time, Queen Victoria. The falls are created by the Zambezi River, which throws itself over a wide basalt cliff. The spray that is created can be seen for miles away, and the surrounding forest near the falls appears to be drenched in rain continuously. Victoria Falls is neither the widest nor the highest waterfall in the world, but it's the world's largest sheet of falling water. It is twice the height of North America's Niagara Falls and is only rivaled by the Aguasu Falls in South America. Now we all know what rainbows are, but the Victoria Falls create what is called a moonbow. A lunar rainbow happens where the light of the full moon hits the falls and this unique phenomenon only occurs two places in the world. And finally, even though Zambia has had some Western influences, paying lobola or bride price is still a common practice. When a man and a woman decide to get married, several meetings are arranged between the bride-to-be parents and the potential groom's go-between. After several meetings, the go-between pays the family of the woman the lobola. In the olden days, cattle would be accepted, but now Families prefer that the labola be cash. The labola signifies that the man is grateful to the parents for growing the woman. <laughs> That's an interesting way of putting it. So now let's do a preview of the story today. It's called Boys Will Be Boys. The students attended a private boys' college. What happened? But first, let me provide a warning that this story contains child sexual abuse. This story took place in a school in the city of Melbourne, Australia. The name of the school is St. Kevin's College, which is a private Roman Catholic school for boys only. It's situated in the city's most expensive suburb, Turak, and the fees can be up to $20,000 per year. It is considered a prestigious school and has an enviable academic record. 
Admission to the school is highly sought after, with parents needing to enrol their children at birth. I have noted that there are a number of high-profile people in Australia who were educated at this college. Here are some quotes from students and parents, which gives an indication of how St. Kevin's College is viewed. One student at the school said, As soon as you put the blazer on, you feel like you belong somewhere and you're part of something. I think that's what makes it so appealing. And a parent said, St. Kevin's promotes a belief that you're very privileged and lucky to have your son go there. Another parent said, Your son's basically guaranteed a good result. Great teachers, especially in year 12. The English teachers are the best in the state. Great sporting reputation. Accessible. It's in Turak. Everybody wants to go there. And a former student said, because it has to keep these promises that it offers to parents about good grades and good performance and strong students, reputation is everything at a place like this. So, Let's now go on to look at the incident at the centre of this story. Last year in 2019, a video surfaced of a group of boys from St. Kevin's College on public transport. They were on their way to an inter-school athletics event. I'm sure you all remember your school days during sports carnivals, how each team had their own song or chant. Well, these boys were chanting a song on a tram but it had nothing to do with the sports event. It was a chant that they had made up themselves, but it was the content which drew attention. It was a sexist chant, and I will read it to you to give you a clear picture of the content. But apologies first that the language is very crass. With such chants, one person will say one line and then it will be repeated by the others. So, here are the words. I wish that all the ladies were holes in the road. If I was a dump truck, I'd fill them with my load. Now here is an audio clip of the boys on the tram chanting this song. And then the chant continued into another verse. It said, I wish that all the ladies were waves in the ocean, and I was a surfer, I'd ride them with my motion. While they were on the tram chanting the song, they were in their distinct green and blue uniforms, so they were easily identifiable. A lady on the tram took offence to the chant. She said the tram was packed with elderly people, women and children, and that she felt totally disgusted by their behaviour. So she took a video, which then went viral on social media. The publicity that resulted tarnished the school's reputation. However, it soon became apparent that this type of behaviour was not a one-off, and students began coming forward saying that it had been going on for years. A former student responded on social media that this was part of the sexist culture at the school and he then received responses calling him a traitor and a snitch. A female student recalls what she had experienced. She said, 
I caught the train with them for many years, and I've been yelled at, stared at, I can hear conversation about other girls or myself, or taking photos under dresses. Just disgusting stuff like that. And I would have spoken up about it if there weren't so many of the boys. I'd been putting up with this my whole high school experience. And my sister had done the same. And I was so angry. I was so infuriated that they thought they could get away with this and no one would care. Following the video surfacing in the media, the school's headmaster made the following statement, quote, To say that I am upset, frustrated and angry would be fair. As a husband, a father of daughters, a brother of four sisters, a son, a good friend and decent colleague to many women, I know this behaviour cannot go unchallenged. We have always and will continue to challenge such poor behaviour and misogynistic attitudes through programs at school and with the cooperation of parents. On behalf of the college, I apologise unreservedly for the offence and inconvenience caused by this group of students. We have programs specifically designed to teach and shape our boys' behaviour and attitudes about respectful relationships. The college and families need to continue to work together to expand on and improve our work in this area. As a result of the video, 10 students were suspended. And here is how one student responded to the suspensions. Quote, you know what happened? What? They got a suspension. That's like every kid's dream anyway. So now you don't have to go to school for a couple of weeks. And then it's all fine and all your mates are like, yeah, cool song, man, you know, good on you. And it's like they're cheering you on. You're like, oh yeah, this is funny. It's just cheap laughs, really. That's what it is. It's not funny. Many questioned whether the action taken by the school was enough. Many felt that it was a symptom of a much deeper issue, that of the misogynistic culture of the school, and yet all that was done was to suspend the students. Many called for specific anti-sexism programs to be conducted in the school, but this never happened. Another student from the school recounts an incident some years earlier. Quote, so in 2015, when I was in year 10, there was an incident where a boy took a photo up the skirt of a female teacher. And I believe that photo was spread around to quite a number of boys in my year level and probably other year levels as well. And that boy was eventually expelled, although there was no real acknowledgement of the incident by the school. There was no one telling us that this was unacceptable, not even just to acknowledge that it had happened. And I feel like that probably should have been an opportunity for the school to educate us about those sorts of issues about respecting women. Another former student had this to say, when you live your life in an environment where you are told how important you are and how bright your future is, you begin to feel untouchable and you begin to feel like you can do anything. And there's an irony in that, that these students from these kind of schools will be the most powerful people in the next hundred years because of the privilege that they have. And I think there needs to be more done to teach these boys how they need to be aware of that privilege 
and how they should behave. Now, for myself, after reading this story, I was waiting for the part where these boys had to make a public apology, but I didn't find any reference to this. So all they got were suspensions. Did their years of private schooling entrench them with privilege and that they were better than others due to the wealth that they were born into? It certainly sounds so. But I also have to mention the parents here too, because as a teacher, I'm really tired of us being the ones to instill appropriate conduct in students when this should be starting at home. So you may be thinking so far that this episode is about boys behaving badly, but as you'll see, there is a lot more to this story and other incidents that have occurred at this school, which we will now get into. The next part of this story involves a high-ranking member of the Catholic Church by the name of Cardinal George Pell. He held senior positions within the Catholic Church in Australia before going on to be treasurer at the Vatican. This position made him the third highest ranked member of the Catholic Church in the world and also meant that he was very close to Pope Francis. In 2018, he was found guilty of child sexual abuse, therefore becoming the most senior Catholic figure in the world to ever be jailed for such crimes. So, how does this relate to St. Kevin's College? Well, George Pell was convicted of abusing two 13-year-old choir boys, and these boys attended St. Kevin's College. One of the boys became a heroin addict and later died. Following Pell's conviction, the principal of St. Kevin's published an article on the school's website written by a Jesuit priest, Frank Brennan. In the article, Brennan said, quote, I was very surprised by the verdict. In fact, I was devastated. He went on to say that he prayed George Pell wasn't the victim of a nationwide search to find a scapegoat. So in essence, he didn't believe Pell was guilty and that the boys concerned must have been lying. Now, the priest was entitled to his opinion, but to have that opinion publicised at the school where the victims were from was seen as immoral and unethical to many of the people from the school community. As a result, the school principal put out a statement saying, quote, St. Kevin's College is committed to child-safe practice. The care and safety and welfare of the students are embedded in policies and practices which ensure a commitment to zero tolerance of child abuse. George Pell ultimately went on to appeal his conviction and he was acquitted of the crime. So, we have seen so far that St. Kevin's College has been embroiled in two controversial incidents. However, there would be more to come. Now we will go on to talk about a former student at St. Kevin's College named Paris Street. Paris started going to St. Kevin's at age nine. He was a talented runner and began getting coached by a man named Peter Kehoe. He had trained students at the school for 40 years and had been a student at the school himself. When he began coaching Paris, he had already left St. Kevin's 
but still coached at an athletics club which happened to train at St. Kevin's due to the excellent facilities. Kehoe saw potential in Paris and offered to do private coaching with him. Paris's mother felt some concern that her son would be coaching alone with Kehoe, so she rang St. Kevin's College and was told by the welfare officer that the school principal said the following about Kehoe. Mr. Russell just wants you to know that Peter is a good person, of good character, and that you have nothing to worry about. Then Paris started getting Facebook messages from Kehoe, such as the following. Hot stuff. I bet you would have won a wet t-shirt competition. Maybe you needed another hug from me. Love you muchly. Ah, the pain of unrequited love. I think you're the best thing since sliced bread. Love you, XXXX. Here is how Paris reacted to these messages. Paris said, I just thought it was odd. I didn't think it was, at that point, illegal or criminal. I didn't understand the true intentions. Then one day, Paris was training with Kehoe and told him that he had a Japanese oral presentation to do for school. Kehoe replied to this by saying, that's not the only oral you'll have to do. Paris did feel uncomfortable, but wasn't sure what to do. After training, Paris was drinking a chocolate milk, and some spilt on his face. Kehoe said, oh, the sight of that dripping down your face. Then Kehoe asked Paris to come back to his place to look at some old school yearbooks. He showed him the photos of four students who had killed themselves after being abused by Christian brothers at the school. Kehoe then pointed to another boy and said that he'd wished he put his hand on his butt. What followed was more sexual talk, which I won't go into, but thankfully Paris had not been touched in any way during this encounter. Paris then told a friend who went with him to tell his mother. They went to the police and Kehoe was charged with sexual grooming. The athletics club, where Kehoe worked as a coach, made a statement that they would be expelling him. However, one of the club members was against having Kehoe expelled. His name was Luke Travers and he was the St. Kevin's Dean of Sport. He had been a former student at the school. He supported Kehoe, giving him a written reference for any future employment, saying, quote, His commitment, enthusiasm, reliability, in all these areas, he is faultless. Paris and his friend Ned were expecting St. Kevin's to say something about the fact that they had exposed Kehoe but this never happened, and the principal also never spoke to Paris's mother about what had happened. Then Kehoe's court hearing arrived, and Paris was cross-examined by the defence. The Dean of Sport, Lou Travers, also attended, and he gave a character reference for Kehoe. He was asked about the text messages that Kehoe sent Paris, such as, I love you and kiss, kiss, kiss. And did he think this was appropriate for a coach to be messaging this to a student? Luke Travers replied, it depends on the context. But even worse, the school principal of St. Kevin's also submitted a character reference in court for Kehoe. 
Here is what Paris said about Kehoe being endorsed in court. I was a student at the school and to have someone personally and professionally endorse him and support him, as I read in the emails and as I heard in Luke Travers' evidence in court supporting him, um, yeah, it's, it makes you feel um, like betrayed. Kehoe was ultimately found guilty of grooming and sentenced to a community corrections order. He was also placed on the sex offenders register for eight years. After the conviction, the school principal made the following statement, quote, The actions of Peter Kehoe were completely unacceptable and St Kevin's College strongly condemns them. After his conviction, he was immediately banned from entering the school or having any contact with the college or its students. Isn't this incredible that on the one hand, he says this, but on the other hand, he gives the man a character reference in court, no less. The principal then made a statement explaining the reason for providing the character reference to Kehoe. He said, quote, The background to the decision made at the time about providing the reference was that prior to his reprehensible action in 2014, Mr. Kehoe had no prior charges or any student or parent complaint of a sexual misconduct nature. He had made a contribution for over 35 years. His lawyers sought a factual reference about Mr. Kehoe prior to the offence. I was considering both the interests of Paris Street as the victim of the abhorrent conduct and providing information to the court for sentencing purposes only. And here is what Paris's lawyer, Judy Corton, had to say about what happened during the court proceedings. She said, quote, It is quite extraordinary that a headmaster, and the dean of sport in particular, will basically disregard the vulnerable student and support an offender. I mean, what planet are we on? And this is right at the hiatus of the Royal Commission. The knowledge was out there. These crimes were being exposed. The responses from the institutions, such as St. Kevin's, were being exposed. They were horrific. Where's the lesson here? Nothing's been learned. And all at the expense of someone like Paris. It is just shocking and appalling. Where are the words? Paris then returned to school and had a conversation with the head coach, Luke Travers, who had given Kehoe the reference. Paris said Travers described the whole incident as a storm in a teacup, and that as a friend, he didn't want Kehoe to be convicted. Paris revealed this conversation to the school psychologist, and then took legal action against the school. Paris's lawyer then requested the psychologist's notes and found that they had been altered. Many of the pages had been blacked out. This is when Paris's mental health was seriously affected. His grades at school dropped and he started suffering from anxiety and panic attacks, eventually having to spend time in hospital. Paris describes here what he was going through. Mum would drive me to school in the morning, driving on the boulevard, 
and then you'd see the big cross on the chapel that um, sort of overlooks the Yarra. I'd see that and I'd just get triggered and would have a panic attack and not want to go to school. I wouldn't want to go to sleep at night because I wouldn't want to get up in the morning to go to school. So far, we have described three issues at St Kevin's College, but it doesn't end there. Last year, in 2019, a former Christian brother who had worked at St Kevin's was found guilty of historical child sex offences. He had abused boys over a 20-year period at four different Catholic schools, including St Kevin's. Back in the early 70s, an internal Catholic Church report found him to be unfit for his job due to a serious indiscretion, but can you believe he continued teaching for 20 years? St. Kevin's principal then made a statement to the school community saying, quote, We have zero tolerance for child sexual abuse and said, Our duty of care to students, past and present, is our top priority. The information I have provided in this episode had been the subject of a television program in Australia, which aired earlier this year in 2020. The revelations were strongly condemned by the school community and the general public at large. The school was hounded by the media to provide a statement or respond to the story. There were strong calls for the principal to resign. The principal responded by saying that the coach, Kehoe, had never been a member of the staff and that he, as the principal, was remorseful for providing him with a character reference, saying that he would never do it again. Eventually, though, the principal did resign and the school's head coach, Luke Travers, who had also provided Keogh with a reference, was stood down pending a further investigation. Part of the principal's resignation letter to the school community said the following, quote, In my time at St. Kevin's, I have always tried to put the school before self and the students' well-being at the very top of my list of priorities. I believe the current situation means that the best way to achieve this is to resign. Following the principal's resignation, six other staff members were either stood down or left the school. Here is Paris's response to the principal's resignation. I am relieved to hear that Stephen Russell has resigned. I hope to now be able to begin to close this chapter of my life so that I can move forward. I am so grateful for the support that I have received from across the country. I think it sends a strong message to the boys and families that they are prioritising child safety. It's been one of the toughest journeys I think I'll ever have to go through in my life. But to have the knowledge that this made him make the decision to resign not only makes it worthwhile to me, but to parents and students going forward. And then a new principal was appointed to St. Kevin's, John Crowley. At his previous school, one of the classroom wings was named in honour of George Pell. But following his conviction, the principal removed George Pell's name from the building. This is what he said at the time, quote, We believe that it's untenable 
are not appropriate to have our students walk through a building that carries Cardinal Pell's name when the jury has found that he is guilty of offences relating to child sexual abuse. The new principal's previous school also introduced a new child protection curriculum to teach children how to recognise abuse, being the first school in the state of Victoria to do so. His school also had previous students who went on to become pedophile priests and Mr Crowley publicly stripped these people of any honours they had received. He also had given evidence at a child sexual abuse royal commission. So you can see with credentials like these, it is no accident that this man was chosen to be the new principal at St Kevin's. In my opinion, a school is only as good as the people who run it. The incidents highlighted in this story about St Kevin's shows that the school leadership was totally lacking. And I've seen this in my own experience. The people who run a school set the culture. Whether that be in a negative or a positive way, the buck stops with the top. And this also is the same at any organisation, any business or anywhere. Whoever runs that organisation sets the tone. And in this case, the people who were in charge of this school obviously were not appropriate people to be running a school based on how they responded to all of these incidents. I really think if St. Kevin's College had had a different school administration, that all of these incidents would have been handled totally differently. So that's the end of today's episode. So let's now preview the next episode, which has two stories called Rampage and Ice Boy. The peace of a small German town was shattered. Why? The schoolboy was walking to school. What happened? And to end this episode, I will leave you with this quote from Socrates. True knowledge exists in knowing that you know nothing. Bye for now and remember to be a good apple.